0: I'm Heidi Zuckerman, and this is About Art. I've spent my life connecting people to art to make their lives better. This podcast talks about art in contemporary culture and why we should care. Each episode is an impactful conversation with people I find interesting and think you will too about their life, values, and always about why they think Art Matters. This is about art. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. This is a really fun, amazing conversation and the inspiration came from a New York Times article that my mom sent me and my guest is the New York-based writer LJ Rader. And Rader is the person behind the social media account Art But Make It Sports.
1: First identifying what the sports moment slash image is that I wanna use, then looking at that image and seeing what about it is unique, and what about it, if I could match on that thing, would make it resonate with people.
0: He features images of sports compared with works of fine art, and the conversation is awesome. It's so interesting, and I'm just going to get right to it. I often have people on my podcast that I've known for a long time, and it's really fun for me when I hear about someone doing something interesting out in the world, and I reach out and they are willing to come on. So this is the first time we've ever spoken, and I'm really excited about the conversation. I've been thinking about what I want to talk about.
1: Yeah, no, ex- excited to to chat and, and to be here. I most most of the, or if not all of the podcasts that I've done in the past have been on the sports side, so this will be a first for me.
0: So that's a great a great way to start, which is to ask you to just kind of tell our audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. So I don't even know where to, where to start. Um, I, so I've worked in, in the sports industry for my entire career. Uh, I was a a writer, a producer on the Olympics. I worked in fantasy and and gaming and the last six years have worked heading up product at a sports data and technology company. So I've always seen the world through a sports lens. And that applies to both sports related things and, and other things, including art. I've always enjoyed going to museums growing up, spent a lot of time with my grandma going. uh, And maybe when I was younger, I didn't quite appreciate it. But now that I've, I've aged a little bit, I really enjoy, especially living in New York. There's all these, always, you know, changing galleries and, and new exhibitions and, and then For a long time, I traveled for work. Whenever I'd go to a new city, I'd go to different uh, museums there, but tend to see art through a sports lens as well. And over time, that led me to to kind of create this account where I compare images of, of sports to images of art.
0: It's such a great story. And part of the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I've spoken a lot about the idea of practice and the similarity between an athletic practice or an athlete's practice and an artist's practice. And the fact that you're putting those two things together, but from a, a visual perspective and and from someone who's watching as an observer, I, I'm curious, are you an athlete yourself?
1: <laughs> I mean, I peaked in high school, but yeah, I <laughs> Played everything growing up. I'm pretty pretty good at racket sports, but can hold my own in in pretty much anything, which is which is good. But now I'm like we had a, a office softball league this year, and you know inevitably hurt myself the first play. It's getting old, <laughs> but I coached little league for for a number of years, which was fun. And yeah, enjoy playing kind of tennis and pickleball occasionally. It's about all I can do now.
0: People often ask me with what I do if I'm an artist and I always say, no, you know, I'm not, I don't have that kind of creative experience, but I do think to, or talent rather, but I do think being in it is also helpful about being able to look at it, It gives a, a slightly different perspective. I did try and paint. My mom for a long time retained a painting that I made in college where they had a nude male model who was kind of an old guy. And it was one of the most embarrassing kind of two hours of my life to have to try and paint him. So I think I finally convinced her to throw it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, that do- doesn't sound like something you probably want to keep around. But yeah, to to your point, I I do think especially working in sports, and I don't think the account would be nearly as, as good as it is if I didn't have that kind of day to day exposure. And if I hadn't played sports my, my whole life, just because you kind of get an understanding of some of the, the artistry behind it and and what's unique versus, you know, what you might be able to ignore and, and what you should focus on. So,
0: hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because there are a lot of different things which are interesting about what you do. And one of them is, I think, the curatorial perspective and it comes up in, in two spots. One is looking at the photographs that these sports photographers take. And, and I want to ask you a little bit about that. If there are certain people that you're sort of following because you know that they have a, an approach that's different necessarily than maybe some of the others that focuses on a, a moment that is worth longevity or, or repeated looking. And actually, let's, let's stop there and, and then we'll, we'll go on from there.
1: Yeah, and and it's exactly that. It's it's the the longevity, the repeated looking, the gravity in the moment. I I get sort of bombarded now with images, which is great. I've kind of cultivated this community where people will tag me and, and DM me photographs, both kind of screenshots and also sports photography. So that's the first dividing factor. Is sometimes it's you know, I'll use a uh, a screen grab, uh, whether it's something that I take or somebody tags me in. And those tend to be for something that I want to get out in the moment that I, I'm sort of seeing and don't necessarily, maybe there's not a true artistry behind whatever that image is, but it's just something viral or, or interesting. Uh, for example, when Draymond Green choked out Rudy Gobert, uh, as soon as it happened, my phone lit up with people tagging me and things and I just used a, a screen grab because you know, him being choked, you, you might get a really interesting photo of that. But at the end of the day, whatever I can just pull from that that screen grab worked perfectly fine. But then, like Travis Kelsey made a catch against the the Ravens that on the screen was incredible, but once the photograph of it came out, uh, a handful of minutes later. sort of just capture the essence of it and I wanted to work off that so the first part is kind of deciding which I want to work off of which is the screen grabber wait to see if there's a a photograph that uh comes through but when it's the actual photograph sometimes it's from you know a game I'm watching or something that people tag me in but like you had brought up I I do follow a uh, a number of sports photographers who whose work I enjoy and and kind of tend to do things unique. That's, that's really the big factor, whether it's a screen grab or a sports photograph is, is this something that is this moment unique? Is it something that I know will resonate? If I inject it into the conversation, will it potentially go viral? I I can pull sort of, you know, interesting looking photos, but if it isn't part of a wider picture, it doesn't tend to people look at and be like, okay, cool. But this doesn't really speak to me. So.
0: So that's a, a really interesting and important point, I think, to underscore, right, which is photography captures a specific moment in time. And from an art perspective, it can be really interesting in terms of composition or, you know, char scoro, right, the light that comes in or anything about the the sort of background or the framing. And if it isn't A moment that people are kind of interested in, or if they aren't necessarily people that a broader audience is interested in, then it probably doesn't have the same impact. Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, you you got it 100%. And part of what I've, I've come to learn and, and try to press on is, like, I know the audience that that follows the account, but I do want to kind of push the boundaries a little bit, or start to show things that people might not necessarily follow. I'm a fan of, of women's basketball, women's soccer. And I think a lot of people often comment, you know, they're very excited that, that I cover those sports and and feature that. And to me, sports are kind of sports regardless of who's playing, but I, I know it's sort of things that maybe don't see the mainstream as much as the male, you know, kind of. NFL MLB you know in NFL season I'm featuring a lot of NFL but I do try to kind of press things that people might not have uh, might not resonate with them until they see it and then they say oh you know I really enjoy this so there's definitely an art to picking out the actual moment and the the image that that I end up using and if you look at the the drafts folder on my my phone you'll see a lot of stuff that is probably most people would say, oh, you know, this is pretty good. But I try to keep a pretty high editorial bar where I'm only posting stuff that I know if people are going to say, you know, this is great. And then for those things that I'm posting, it could be low brow, which oftentimes the screen grabs are. But then the best ones are kind of the, the higher brow where you can play off a, an impressive sports photograph. And especially if it's from, you know, a... a a game that maybe somebody, you know, a women's soccer game that somebody isn't actually watching, but then they see it and you know, oh maybe I'll tune in next time.
0: So. so you're touching on something that I have thought about for a long time as a I was a museum curator for a long, long time before becoming a museum director and and still curating shows. And that is the power of the platform and wanting to use it for my perspective for the greater good and not in any way being didactic or trying to tell anyone what to think, because then that becomes a closed conversation and and always wanting it to be an open conversation and being able to sort of gracefully and elegantly put things into the conversation through the platform that people might not otherwise pay attention to. So I think it's it's quite interesting that you're talking about in this case, women's sports, and the idea that regardless of who's playing, it's it's sports. And is there is there pushback on that? Or does it just kind of get into the flow?
1: Yeah, not at all. I can't recall a single person being like, why are you showing women's sports? And I think that's partly because I've cultivated an audience that can actually, you know, think for themselves and are sort of, normal people as opposed to you know you get some of these talking head shows and then you see some of the comments on Twitter and it's people that are just there to sort of argue um whereas I think the community that I've built uh, is a little bit more (laughs) the right word mature so I've never gotten pushback on on the actual subjects if anything people want more of whatever it is they enjoy featured Mm -hmm. so something like the areas where I have gaps are where I don't know the context of the sport itself. So for example, something like cricket, somebody might send in a an interesting cricket image. But if I don't quite know, like I can see the visual and I could potentially match on that. But if I don't quite know how it fits into the grander scheme, I have a much harder time kind of thinking up what to do, especially because... Oftentimes, in addition to the visual match, there's a layer that goes deeper into sort of the meaning of the image, mm-hmm. that meaning in the moment. But yeah, I follow sort of women's U.S. based sports, but yeah, some of the international stuff becomes a little harder for me. Um, but I try to I try to sprinkle things in that that people send in if they're sort of good enough and I can understand the quality or excuse me the uh, the context of it.
0: I want to go back to the fact that you said that you visited museums with your grandmother because that is actually what I did and so from the time that I was about 8 years old I was my grandmother's favorite traveling companion because I was the oldest grandkid and my grandfather didn't like to travel and I I don't know if I was a willing participant or not but I it was me like I was chosen by my family to to go with my grandmother and and incredibly at this point looking back fortunate to have traveled around the world with her and, and getting to go to museums from that young age to the point that I don't really remember a time in my life that I wasn't looking at art. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit more about your grandmother and and maybe a experience that was either formative at the time or looking back now to that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's anything deeper than being able to spend time with her and knowing that that was something that that she enjoyed. The my grandfather, his family had a like a, a garage in in Greenwich Village back in the day, and oftentimes the the tenants couldn't pay and would barter with artwork, and so they ended up having a pretty interesting art collection. And I always knew, like going to their house, it was just much more you know, colorful. than than my home and I always knew it was it was something that my grandparents really enjoyed and so being able to see you know go with my grandma to to different places to see art I knew it was a it was kind of core to what she was interested in so I I don't think as a kid I thought anything deeper than you know it's fun to fun to be with grandma but now now I have a a little bit of a different perspective on on sort of museums as a whole but yeah at the time (laughs) I don't know you know just kind of running around and looking at interesting things
0: i think it's really fascinating and you know kind of incredible and and these are significant data points i think for the idea of access to art in a way that is comfortable and you know familiar and not didactic and open And this idea also of art as a form of kind of payment or barter or whatnot. I think that part of what I like about what you're doing is that you're taking something that people already like or are familiar with, which is, you know, sports and juxtaposing it and pairing it with art. And I think there's an opportunity for people who might not otherwise think they were at all interested in art to maybe have that spark of, of curiosity or a, a huh? Like I'm, I'm big on the huh because I think, you know, from the huh, it's, is that kind of moment of openness that, that everything is possible.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely not something that I thought of when I first started the account, but very quickly people made me aware that that's how it was being seen. So that are art history teachers were saying, you know, this is the only way I can get my students to, you know, pay attention or to, to kind of memorize things. And I've had a, a lot of people reach out and say, you know, I've I've been able to connect with my spouse because they like sports and I like art, and <laughs> one thing that actually, you know, we we both share with each other. So there's there's definitely that uh, that feedback that's come through. I think historically. Right, people talk about art and sports is not just different, but maybe uh, diametrically opposed in a way where you've got the kind of art geeks and you've got the jocks, and there is no real overlap. But part of what the the account tries to do is show that kind of the same. And I think you had alluded to this a little bit of the idea of like the athletes themselves, and there's a in An artistry to what athletes do in a certain athletic component, repetitive practice component to what artists do, and the account starts to show that maybe they're not quite as different as you've been told growing up.
0: Yes, and at this particular moment in time, to be able to have an opportunity to highlight that we all have more in common than we think we do is so significant. And that's why something becomes part of the cultural zeitgeist, right? Is that it's about the thing that it is, but it's also about something greater. And I think that's one of the things that that you're doing, frankly.
1: Yeah, I don't do it consciously, but then I, sometimes when I'm not, maybe force isn't the right word, but when I'm I'm given the opportunity to to take a step back and kind of examine it, it is sort of refreshing to know that. Ninety-nine percent of the comments that come in are positive, and it's people just sort of from all different. Like if you look at the, like I'll, I'll see the likes and the people that follow the account, and we got people all different colors, all different genders, all different everything, and I think that's a pretty unique thing to to have all these folks that are so unique coming together and kind of just agreeing on something. So. It's always fun to see,
0: so one of your images, I think it was a Taylor Swift image, but that's the first one that that sort of came to my attention or or maybe it was I can't think of what his first name is, but Travis Kelsey's brother, right? with the you know, I think that was sort of the first one that came up to to my attention. just I don't know how it it showed up for me, but it it came to my attention. And then pretty quickly, my mom. Sent me the New York Times article about I think that same image, and so there was sort of a maybe a moment there. But what does your family think of this? Like, what does your mom think? Do you have a wife? Like, what does she think? You know, just curious about about that.
1: Yeah, for a while, the only people that followed the account were my mom and my mom's friends. <laughs> there was there was a pretty long period of time. I granted the content wasn't wasn't as good as it is now, but. Pretty long period of time where I just sort of posting to nobody, which was fine. I still to this day do it primarily to keep myself entertained and, and sharp. But they're they're all about it. I'm married. My wife's encouraging and supportive, and her family gets a kick whenever you know, like today the the Times article came out in paper. We didn't say anything to them. Her dad opened the paper and there I was, and he he was definitely all about it. So. Yeah, they're they're supportive. Uh, they know I kind of do it as as a hobby and I think they get excited when I have like opportunities to monetize it a little bit even though that's not the focus. More that it just kind of lets me flex some more entrepreneurial muscles and finance muscles that maybe I don't normally use on a, a day-to-day. But yeah, they're they're fans. So that's
0: good to have. Okay, so let's talk about art, and let me start off by asking you what kind of art you like. It's <laughs> a good question.
1: So I, I took an art history class in college, an art history 101 class, and that's the only professional training I have in, in art. So everything else has been self-taught and sort of comes from going to different museums and and shows, oftentimes what I'll do, not oftentimes, every time, what I'll do is when I go to a museum, I take photos. I go pretty quickly and I, you know, boom photo, boom photo of pieces of, of artwork that I'm pretty sure are interesting to me and that I know will potentially come up at some point. There's only so many, you know, landscape paintings that I need to have so, you know, if I walk into a room at the Met and it's a landscape room, I can, can kind of move on to the next one. But then after I'm at that museum, this is a roundabout way of answering your question, I realize, but after I'm at that museum, I'll I'll spend a bunch of time in the folder that those photos are in, sort of studying them and getting a sense of, you know, what's in there so that if something does come up on the sports side that I can can go back. And recall it. Uh, the so to answer your question, I think the art that I enjoy the most is art that I can ultimately use for the account. And the art that I can use for the account is art that's unique. And I, I don't even know how to to explain it, but art that feels like sports to me. <laughs> it can be from any any genre, any any period of time. I don't really, I tend to gravitate towards, for lack of a better term, older art, just because, I don't know, there's, it resonates a little more with me, and I don't quite know why. Maybe it's just, uh, it's been around for so long that you get a sense that there, there's something special about it, whereas I guess kind of like wine, right, where the the longer wine ages, the the deeper the notes and and potentially the experience but I don't really discriminate I don't really if I see something that's from last year that that's interesting it's it'll resonate with me so
0: so one of the things that I've noticed is kind of what you're saying that a lot of the work that you're that you're posting is what what we would call old masters so there's a lot of work from the renaissance there's you know There's some kind of baroque pieces. It's and it's it's often about the interaction of the figures, and you have a real ability to look specifically at how the figures are interacting with each other. So where are they looking? At what points are their bodies connecting? What might they be carrying? Right. There's often kind of religious works that that you're using because that's what a lot of the old master work is about, And, and. and a lot of it is is highly narrative. And I, I'm actually listening right now to the book that was written by the guy who is a guard at the Met for 10 years. And as he is telling his story about standing in the galleries and his interaction with, with the works there, it's so interesting that the different perspectives that, that draw people to the work. But this, the kind of point of and the reason I brought that up is because at this point in in the book where I am, he's talking about all the religious stories and and what they mean and you know i I learned everything I know about religion basically through art history and so it's there are all these different ways there's all these different points of entry and occasionally you post an abstract work like a there was a a Clifford still and just this last week, there was a juxtaposition of Travis Kelsey's blingy jacket with the yo Kusama Infinity Room. So I was really curious about that one. That seemed different and kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, the abstract ones are the best in terms of if I can pull them off. It's part of the process of first identifying what the sports moment slash image is that I want to use. Then looking at that image and seeing what about it is unique. And what about it, if I could match on that thing, would make it resonate with people. And the that thing could be multiple things and layers. The and then the abstract ones, just because they are abstract, tend to be the most fun for me because they're they're harder to do, because there isn't that uh that sort of person in the uh, you're comparing a person to something that isn't a person, whereas if I'm pulling Baroque or, or Renaissance art, it's kind of person to person. So been trying to learn a lot more about abstract expressionism and various contemporary art. But the, yeah, the Kusama, anytime it's a, something that's various lights or dots or her, uh, I don't even know what the proper phrase is, but like those big silver big silver balls in the, the little pond. She comes to mind and then, yeah, Clifford still anytime it's a handful of colors that have their own space but then might have a something going through it or missing something. I use like a Clifford still for when Pat Mahomes' helmet broke and you have this big red helmet but then this this absence of space where it, it broke with the black and I had a pretty good sense that Clifford still might have something that, that matches that. So oftentimes with the abstract ones, it's less about knowing the exact abstract piece and more about recognizing an artist's style and then finding the piece
0: of that, that artist. Yeah. That that's probably my very favorite of all the ones that you've done. (laughs) And maybe because Clifford still is my favorite artist for many, many years. So, I asked you a little bit earlier about what kind of art you like, and and you gave me an answer. And I am often asked, you know, who's your favorite artist, which for me is kind of not an impossible question to answer because of course I have my favorites, right? And it evolves over time. And sometimes my favorite is something that I just saw because it becomes my favorite because I'm obsessed about it for a time or, or forever. And so it's not that I don't like being asked that question, but it seems sort of like an easy question on some level. And and I don't know if when people ask it, they're actually like why they're asking, if they're curious or if it just gives them, you know, a different sort of point of entry for the conversation themselves. But I do feel like I should ask you.
1: <laughs> sort of in the same camp as you where. Very much recency bias, but and I, I apologize if I butcher any of these names. You're doing great. I oftentimes, I I type the names, but I i never actually, or I read the names or type them, but I never actually say them out loud. I'll start with an easy one, now, like Bob Thompson, Alice Neal. Okay, well we're gonna we'll try this. Giotto, uh, Nicholas. Pusan? Pusan, yeah. Clifford Still uh, is definitely definitely up there. Scroll through my my phone and see. I mean, Goya always comes up. It really is sort of a... Oh, it, I was just in Barcelona. We went to the Dijon the uh, Miro uh, Museum. I love his work. I don't know. Uh, uh, Tor,
0: I think that's how I pronounce it
1: more recent uh, artist, Bisa Butler. I feel like I could just rattle off names.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting though. I mean, from, you know, Giotto to Poussin, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty diverse. And, and I think that's what's, that's, what's interesting. So as you said, you go into a museum and you take a whole bunch of pictures and it's really about kind of, recording the the moment right and and creating sort of an, an archive for yourself and frankly that's actually how i curate as well uh, i'll go to the venice biennale i'll take a whole bunch of pictures i take a picture of the artwork first and then i take a picture of the label second and it's important to me that i always do it that in the order because i always think i'll remember exactly who the artist is but i i sometimes won't you know because i'll look at a lot of things in a short period of time and I have my own sort of system of trying to remember what I saw where. And as I'm taking the pictures, I I don't know what they'll be for because I'm I'm thinking about some future show or an image for a book, or I don't have anything specific necessarily that I'm looking for. So I'm curious about your filing system or the taxonomies that you use to categorize
1: yeah and maybe you'll end up utilizing this which would be which would be cool so uh, the the topic of ai comes up often i do not use ai for any of the matches that i do but i do use google lens to save myself from having to take a picture of the nameplate because in my captions i feature the the title of the work the artist and the year. And this way I save taking a photo and the space on my phone, which is actually more important because I think I'm rocking like a iPhone 12 or 13, which I think is pretty out of date at this point, but they all go in, all the photos I take go into Google. And then with a click of a button, it just finds the name of that image for me, right? It finds that image on the internet. So I think you AI as a utility for something like that is good. I think AI to create images and basically use other people's work as training data without attribution is a, a dangerous place and deep fakes. And we could go on on that side, but don't, I don't use any of, of that, but I, I do use Google lens to save me from the the nameplate. But then I have a a massive folder in, in my Google photos and it's called meme fuel and it's sorted by date, which in turn is sorted by museum that I took a, a photo at. And then oftentimes museums have their own kind of theme and then system within the museum or organization within the museum. So I have a pretty good sense of a lot of the exact photos that I've taken and then also sort of just the theme of a museum. So like if something abstract comes up, I can, you know, maybe look in the this, oh God, I'm going to mess this up, the center Pompidou. Mm -hmm. I hope I I I didn't butcher that too badly. Um, But obviously, like a museum that has a, a lot of abstract art, whereas, you know, I mean, the map's pretty diverse, but or like the Louvre has a lot more, you know, Renaissance Baroque pieces that that I might want to look for. But yeah, it's just organized by by date. And let's see, I have a, f- a few folders, but of the folders of the images I took, we are up to 8,929.
0: Amazing. It's so interesting. Some years ago I curated a show with an artist named Fred Tomaselli. He lives in Brooklyn and he had historically and the show was at the Aspen Art Museum and then it traveled to the Brooklyn Museum. But up until that time, all of the shows that he did were organized chronologically and he works across mediums. He does landscapes, he does portraits, he does still lifes, he does bird works and figurative pieces, this amazing expulsion, and so sometimes with religious connotations or or narratives. And so each exhibition was just the work that he had made within the timeframe between the last exhibition and and the current exhibition. And so the show that I did and that I had proposed to him was to be organized taxonomically and to to have different works from a variety of years, but all based on a kind of comparable theme. And he now, you know, iconically tells a story that he said to me, like, that's a terrible idea. And, um, (laughs) and then came around to it and, and it became this really great exhibition. And part of the reason that I had the idea to do it is because I went to his studio and his works are created through a collaging technique and he collages cutouts of images that he finds or that he takes and then mixes in natural elements so leaves that he grows in his garden or for a long time he included drugs in his work and they were often pills that had been expired that he got from a local pharmacist or you know marijuana leaves that he had you know grown or or whatnot so I was anticipating that you might, for example, have files that have subject categories like bent elbow or, um, you know, flying figure or, um, and so it's just so interesting to hear that your, your primary system is, is date and location because that's what I used to.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at some point I should probably go in and make like a, Flying figure and, and bent elbows uh, folders, but yeah, I don't think it'd be as fun if I did that. Then it's just I don't know. It's it's not not really testing myself. So yeah, it's funny you you brought up Fred Thomasell. I had never heard of him, and then I pulled up his his uh, I just typed him into Google and immediately like oftentimes when I see new art. Sort of pull from what it reminds me of from other artists. He's he's definitely has some uh some stuff that that pulled pulled in my mind some some other stuff which is cool to see. Like uh, there's there's definitely like Frank Stella influences and what's her name, Hilma off Clint. So anyways, always fun and that's sort of what I do at, at museums too. Where I'll see something, I'll look it up, find other similar artists and then oftentimes when an image sports image presents itself then i have more artists in my head of potential people to pull from and then that sort of widens the amount of of work that that could be used to match something
0: yeah and that's what i think is really interesting too is is this idea i like very much the fact that you talk about Testing yourself, you know, and kind of keeping your your mind fresh, I guess. And this, you know, I've talked before about artists as an alternate language. And the way that you're talking about it is very much in keeping with this idea of practice and having opportunities to continue to be present and actively looking and paying attention in a way that I think makes life more beautiful and more alive. And I wonder if that is something that that you think about or that that resonates for you.
1: Yeah, it's part of why AI depresses me, is you lose that that human component and that human brain and that testing of yourself. So again, the AI for utility, where it's like, Nobody should have to remember the name, the artist, in the year of every painting they photographed. So that's insane. Uh, and if you can have a tool that helps there, it's great. But just like when people say, oh, you know, this, this account must be AI. In my head, I'm like, OK, if I used AI, like what is the fun of doing the account? I'm just putting images through a machine and spit something out and I post it. And it's like, what is, why even, like why bother? Because to me, it is the, you get that sort of hit of dopamine when you right. make that connection yourself and it's sort of, I hate to equate it to to drugs, but you're like, you want that next fix and you sort of need that next and that next hit. And that's why you kind of keep going.
0: Yeah. I I think that for me and a lot of people, I think, you know, there's the, there's the attraction to try and do something that's hard. You know, like I really like doing hard things. And interestingly, I, I shared that at a, a family dinner and, and my sister said, Really? You know, like I didn't I mean I I guess that makes sense, but I hadn't really thought about that at, and about you. And I and I thought, well, I actually didn't know that people not everyone likes to do hard things, <laughs> you know. So that's uh the assumptions that we make about, you know, how we exist in the world in relationship to how everyone else exists in the world. And, and those moments of realization, both affinity and difference I think are are quite interesting.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's definitely parts of me that, that try to avoid doing hard things. We're talking about like working out. I need to, to sort of be pushed to do that and like cleaning up. <laughs> but when it comes to things of that, I'm like testing my, my brain on I couldn't I can't yeah I can't really wrap my head around like why someone would use AI for something like this because what is what's the point then I think oftentimes people are kind of surprised to find out that I have a a real t- like a real job and that this is just like a hobby that barely makes any money I'm Like, well, why would you do it <laughs> like, I don't I don't do it to make money I do it to it's my exercise that I like now sharing with people.
0: When did you do the first one? So I started like
1: doing captions on images in like 2015 and posting them to my personal Instagram, but I didn't start till December, 2019 of doing it as its own account. And then I pretty soon realized that instead of just captioning a photo, like this looks like Philip Rivers yelling. I should just get the picture of Philip Rivers yelling and put it next to the piece of art. And so then sort of expanded into, into more of those, those posts. So it's been three years of of doing that
0: pretty much. It's interesting. That's the same month that I started the podcast and I didn't necessarily have a plan. I just started doing it and just keep doing it. And then you get, you get a bunch of them done. So Are there things that you haven't done yet that you hope to do?
1: See more museums and see Mm -hmm. more art. That's in the same way where you get that hit hit of dopamine when you make a match. I get a similar feeling of when I step into a new museum or a, a new exhibition at a museum I've already been to. It's like what what are the new things that I'm gonna get to to see and, and experience and file away. And if it's only that in terms of the plan of just more art and more sports, I think that's that's fine because that's the core of what interests me. There are some uh things that I could be doing, like how do I take some of this from the digital world and put it into the physical world and you know potentially like a book right, and expose it to more people but a lot of things that fall into those categories i'm sort of waiting for them to organically happen cuz i'm sure they will and some of them already started but i'm not really i'm really actively pers- pursue anything other than what i just what i do in the the account on the day to day
0: so within the art world and museums in particular we talk about this idea of the aesthetic experience and what it means basically is you know being transported out of the moment in front of a work of art and oftentimes it includes tears have you ever been moved to tears by a work of art
1: maybe not by a piece of fine art maybe in like maybe not maybe yes in in sort of cinema if art if you if you take that form, I don't think about in a a physical piece. I get really excited to see, I guess, like old friends, the mm-hmm. art that I've <laughs> that I've uh, seen in the past, and especially art that I've seen online, but then get to see in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always really exciting. But I don't, I don't know about move to tears. But there's certainly a an energy that that comes from scenarios like that.
0: Yeah. I. I love that idea of art being a friend or an old friend and, and kind of turning a corner and seeing it again or seeing it in one museum and then being like on the other side of the world and seeing it again and being like, hey, how'd you get here, <laughs> right? And as it kind of moves around the world and we move around the world and and of course we're different each day and so seeing an artwork again, it, it's different and, and we're different. And I'm curious, as you're going through and using your practice of recording, are there times when you're going quickly and recording, and then you're just stopped, like in your tracks, like, oh, I have to stop and be with this work for a bit longer? <laughs>
1: I wish I could say yes, but I can just make my trips super <laughs> efficient and then spend. A significant amount of time afterwards doing that you know there's probably people listening that'll say you, know, you got to stand in front of the actual artwork and see the the brush strokes and the the layers which is totally fair um but i don't get the same uh i'm not interested in the same things that
0: probably everybody mm-hmm. is is fine but well i just want to pick up on that for a second because i think that part of art's problem in the world, you know, if it has one is that people think that there is a certain way that they're supposed to be or act or do with art or around art. And I, one of my personal missions is to try and dissuade people of that perspective. So, you know, I, I want to kind of put a stop, you know, to um, your potential response to my question in thinking that someone might have a different response and and you know I, I I really one of the things that I really love about what you're doing and why I wanted to talk to you is that I feel like there's so much openness in there and even you know when you were really charmingly saying like well I'm not sure if I'll pronounce this right or or whatnot you know like that's I I really again wanted to just dispel any idea that, like, you know, who cares? I mean, people pronounce words differently all the time, you know, whether it's the name of like a cheese or the name of, you know, like I have a new seat, vice president of finance. And, you know, a couple of times I I'm like, okay, you know, how like how do you pronounce her name again? Like, where's the emphasis on, you know, the syllable or, you know, everyone has that. And if that is an inhibitor to people, you know, looking at art or thinking that, you know, it's not for them, that's what I want to dispel. So however you look at it, I'm just curious. I, I don't think you're doing it right or wrong or, you know, you're doing it perfectly.
1: Yeah, um, I guess I'm just, I'm doing it my way. so yeah.
0: Which is perfect. So what I ask everyone on the podcast is why does art matter? So for you, why does art matter?
1: I oftentimes think when I'm in museums, like I'm looking at something, right? And this is something that somebody took the time to make. That person has been dead for like 400 years, 300 years, however long. But here I am looking at it, experiencing it, Maybe interpreting it in a completely different way than they intended. But I know that person's name and I know their work. And I think I guess if you were to sum it to one word, it's like legacy, right? You're sort of experiencing what somebody leaves behind. And so I I don't always think about it at that deep of a level, but when I do take a step back, it's I think that's sort of what what resonates with me is that. Uh, this is the expression of somebody that's not here anymore sometimes. So, and then in turn, I, I won't be here at some point. Like, what am I making that people are going to look at? Think about 200 years from now, we're all still here.
0: Yeah. I I'm really fascinated by that as well. And the idea of the stories of the people, you know, why did they make it? What were they thinking about? What did their studio look like? What, what did they eat? Uh, You know, did they get a good night's sleep you know who did they sleep with uh all all those things the things that make us uniquely human and how what they were doing it's sort of like the images that you're choosing it really matters what happened right before that moment and it also matters what happened right after that moment
1: yeah and uh i think i alluded to this but like if, if van gogh was still alive like what would he think comparing one of his paintings to a basketball player, something that didn't even exist then. And I think that's also why it resonates with with people. It's like history, sort of repeats itself in, in different forms and time is flat.
0: Time is flat. Can you say more about that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I think I need to like do the, the extensive research into some of the terms that people use for this, but you're sort of... You're, sometimes the posts force you to, to think about the thing that you, you're seeing on the sports side is in its own time, but also then gets pulled back potentially 400 years. Um, and then you realize in the scope of things that 400 years is nothing um, in, in terms of, of the history of, of sort of us and, and the world. I don't know, wax philosophical and all, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it hits you in the head where it's this, this sort of happened before, but before isn't all that long ago, even though it feels like it's forever. Again. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but
0: it does to me. And it's really beautiful. I think uh, to hear that kind of insight into the way that you're thinking and I think you referenced your file photo file as as being titled meme fuel and I think that's part of what you're doing which is that there are lots of memes in the world and most of them I mean some of them of course are super viral and they stay around for a long time and you know and most of them are just they're gone and you know I don't think it's just because I love art that I think that what you're doing is that plus that you know it's something more than just a meme you know and and I don't use the term just as like a you know in a diminutive way um and I think that there's something about your practice and your approach which brings in a curatorial approach and and also really a conceptual approach. And and so there's a really interesting, I think, connection to conceptual art, to what you're doing. And I don't know if you think that or have thought about that, but you know, I think there's, I think there's something in there too.
1: Yeah. I think it's just kind of innate at this point, but definitely, definitely exists in, in terms of what gets output where it's, there is a, a very big editorial and curatorial aspect to it, of figuring out what's, what's good uh, and what's worth putting out there. So I think oftentimes a lot of what you see on social media doesn't get that same sort of treatment.
0: Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed the the dialogue and I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what you're doing. So as you have a uh, Fred Thomaselli end up in your <laughs> in your uh, account, tag me. Um, because, you know, I, I am so curious about how, you know, one thing begets another thing, which, you know, becomes a rabbit hole that then shows back up and circles around. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see more and more contemporary art in what you're doing.
1: Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, really enjoyed the uh, the conversation.
0: Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I thought he was so charming and earnest, and I love his fascination with art and how he is spending his free time traveling around the world, going to museums and thinking about these connections and, frankly, looking at art through sports. It's fantastic. My guest next week is an artist, Charles Long. Someone who I've known a really long time and who we have an incredible exhibition of currently at the Orange County Museum of Art. It is a work called 100 Pounds of Clay and it's interactive. And if you haven't yet come to the museum to make your own sculpture, please do so. It is packed in there every day. And I just love the opportunity to have a space for people to create and to make things. Thanks so much for joining today and every time you listen, it is such an honor and a privilege to have these conversations and to share them with you, our audience. About Art is part of the Why Art Matters Project, a global initiative that makes art accessible, relevant and transformational. We connect all to art through books, a podcast series, talks, brand collaborations, TV and more. This episode was mixed by William Melbourne. Our theme music was composed by Eric McDougal. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and review us on whichever platform you listen as it helps us further our goal of connecting all to art. We'll be back again every other Tuesday with new episodes. Thank you so much for being part of our community.